Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Oh Lord, we are so thankful this morning that that you left the 99 to come get us, to come get me. Lord, we're thankful to be in your house this morning, to be together, to have a chance to worship, to worship you, the one who deserves our worship. For some, it's been a long week, a trying week. There have been victories and failures, Lord, ups and downs. And yet we come quietly and we seek your face. Lord, we ask that you would come and be in this sanctuary with us this morning. Your scripture reminds us where two or more are gathered, you are in our midst. And we're thankful and we're excited to be here. Lord, may this not be just something that we check off on a box that says, we did our due diligence. We sat in our pew for an hour. May it not be that, but rather, Lord, something very much the opposite, that we came uh, to worship you, to understand more about you, to seek your face this morning, to hear from your word and be changed. It's so easy to get in that rut, that ritual of just doing what we always do. And so, Lord, I ask that you would remind us this morning, set on our hearts this morning, the special moment we have to be with you this morning. And as you speak through your word, speak boldly to us. Remind us who we are. Help us to understand why you came and the difference that you make. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning's passage is out of John, and it's going to sound kind of familiar. And if you're not familiar with it, there's a guy named Nicodemus. And Nicodemus is a guy, a a part of the ruling party of the day. Uh, You might call him a lawyer, and maybe that helps you understand a little bit of that. Uh, We'll talk some more about that this morning. It says, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night, and he said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to the flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going it is with everyone born of the spirit how can this be nicodemus asked you are israel's teacher said jesus and you don't understand these things very truly i tell you we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen but still you people do not accept our testimony and you do not believe 
How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. May God add his blessing as we continue to sing this morning. Thank you for the reminder of where you need to be in our lives. You need to be our only one. Thank you for the opportunities you put in front of us. Lord, as we look at your word, remind us how much you love us this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. It was good. I liked it. Every day. A Every day. Oh, man. I dropped my stuff. Not a good thing. So, you know, Ken is kind of like my, you know, if you ever went to a comedian and you know that heckler guy, that's, so Ken's kind of, kind of, not a lot like a heckler. So, Ken, I got a question for you. Okay. So, we're. I don't want you to think this, I'm getting you back. I'm just, I'm going to ask. We do have good conversations, so, during the sermon. So, it's good. So, let's just say, and I don't, and I don't know if, I don't have anything, but let's just say that I had sour candy in this hand and sweet candy in this hand, all right? And you get to make the choice. I only get one hand, or I can make you drop both? No, you get, you, you don't, no, no, wait, this is, no, this is, it's more important than that. Way more important than that. You only, you don't, you get one but your wife gets the other. Oh, I'm taking sour. She's getting sweet. Wait, wait. Before you, you weren't supposed to answer. Oh. You got to tell me. That's, is that your... Well, well, that's all right. That's, that's good. So that's your... So if you were to choose, you would want the sour. I like sour. Okay. I so I want you to step out of your shoes and step into your wife's shoes. And le, what, would, what would your wife's choice be? She wants the sour. Really? <laughs> Boys and girls, this is how you start a fight in 10 seconds or less. <laughs> so, Ken, so Ken the, the, really the important question is, now that you know your wife would choose the sour, would you give her the sour? Maybe. <laughs> That's probably a little more honest than I'd like to know. <laughs> Well, we're going to find out. All right, so I have Sour Patch and Swedish Fish. Can you get to choose? Remember, you have to love your wife as Christ loves the church. Ah. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It's still candy, right? <laughs> and it, 
And if you're really nice, you can, you can shuffle a Swedish fish to the left, and she might shuffle a, a Sour Patch to the right. If you preach a really good sermon, I might get some. And that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we, like to, we like to think we make choices or like to uh, uh, talk about choices, uh, but when we get a chance to really practically make those choices, I think it helps us to remember and understand. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be watching on my side eye. And it, Nathan, you can watch too. Make sure that, you know, <laughs> see who gets what, all right? Because there's only like three or four in each. So you're going to have to, if Kenny, if you devour them, we'll be gone. So, so our this morning scripture is, and this is the last in uh, talking about love and what love looks like. Uh, this is the choice of love, making a decision to love. And, and this, this passage is an interesting one because right in the middle, smack dab in the middle of this is like the most famous uh, verse, right? If you watched a football game, you saw John 3.16, usually it's at the end zone, right? Someone's got a piece of paper and they got the cheap seats, but they got in the end zone where they're kicking the field goal. That's, that's where we see it most often. Uh, you might see it on, sometimes I've seen it lately on uh, the things they wear under their eyes, they write it on there. Uh, the reality is this. Uh, that, that verse is stuck in the middle and is a pretty important verse. Uh, but understood in context, it makes a little more sense. Uh, not that it doesn't make sense, but that it helps us to understand. So there's this guy, Nicodemus, right? Um, there's this guy, Nicodemus, who's the ruler, uh, a Jewish ruler or a leader of the Jewish people. And uh, in that day, uh, Nicodemus was the kind of guy uh, whose job was to understand all the rules, to understand what needed to happen, to understand the religious, um, the religious right or the religious tradition, and, and make sure, his job was to make sure that we kept those things going in the right direction. Right? So Nicodemus, he, he understands, he knows the rules, Right? He knows the rules, and then this Jesus guy comes along. And he's intrigued by Jesus. He's intrigued enough by Jesus to, under, to, to question who this Jesus guy is. So what he does, and, you, and we, as we read it, we see that quickly Nicodemus understands there's something different about this guy than others who had come before him. Right? The, you need to understand the context. Jesus wasn't the first guy that just showed up on the scene claiming to be the Messiah. There were others, right? That was part of the problem. So people would show up claiming to be the Messiah. They were not the Messiah. Um, they would take him out, beat him, crucify him, whatever they would do. Um, they were not the real Messiah. And so when Jesus came on the scene, he was the, not the first. He was, uh, there were others that had come before. And so there was skepticism, a lot of skepticism, and Nicodemus, he has this sense in his mind that this might be the real Messiah. Hence the reason he goes and finds this Jesus. And when does he go and see him? In the middle of the night. Why? He doesn't want, right, he doesn't want anybody to see him, right? He doesn't want anybody to know um, that he is going uh, to see this Jesus, right? Because he'll get mocked by his own people. They will challenge him in that. And so he shows up in the middle of the night, and, and, and Nicodemus knows all the rules. He knows what the rules are. He knows what it's supposed to look like. So be, before I, I got the next slide, give me a little sense of 
the religious right. What's the religious tradition? Let's just talk about the Baptist because I don't want to talk about the Jews because that's kind of far removed. Let's talk about the Baptist tradition. What are the traditions that we celebrate? The Last Supper? Okay. Let's see. <laughs> Potluck, yeah. Chili cook-off, right? <laughs> what's, our, what's our religious traditions? Christmas Eve? Anybody come to Christmas Eve? What was that? Communion. Hey, not it. My wife didn't know I put that picture up. She was still sleeping when I figured that one out. Right? One of the, one of the traditions that we celebrate is, is communion. S- sitting around the table. And all too often, and it's one of the things that I uh, am challenged uh, by in communion, is that it becomes something we just do because it's the beginning of the month. Right? We just do it because we do it. I, and, I, and I try to challenge that pretty regularly from, the, from sitting at the table to, to be, help us remember that this is not to be taken lightly. Hey, there's a Swedish fish. Five-second rule. You can eat it. It's okay. I won't tell anybody. <laughs> no problem. I, I was going to stomp on it, but I didn't think that was fair either. I got dirt on my shoes. So the communion, the communion cup sitting around the table, it becomes sometimes just a religious rite, just a tradition that we do. When we don't think about why we're doing it or we don't, we don't take time to reflect, and in fact, Paul in the New Testament uh, got so frustrated with the Corinthian church because they were just making it a meal. They were just having a party with it, right? They, they actually went to the point where they just got together to have a party and they were calling it communion, right? That, that was kind of the mindset. Uh, and, and, they, and they made it almost a mockery. So all these religious rites, Nicodemus's job is uh, to understand what they are and to protect them, right? In the Jewish realm, his, his job is to, to make sure we do communion the right way, to make sure we do the chili cook-off the right way. Christmas Eve needs to be done this way. He's all about the practice, all about doing it for doing its sake. It's very black and white. The decisions that are made are black and white. The problem is that Jesus is, is entering into some gray, right? He's entering into some, uh, this understanding that, that things don't always look the way the tradition uh, has has uh, followed along. And so there's some grays. Anybody struggle with gray? Anybody like to be black and white? Come on. Yeah, Norman. Thank you, Norman. I wasn't going to call you out. Norman likes black and white, and that's not all bad, right? I think Veronica likes black and white, or she was crocheting. I'm not sure. (laughs) We like black and white, right? Why do we like black and white? It's easier, right? It's easier to make it gray. Which, which gray would you like? Pick a gray, right? They're all gray. Which, one, which one's better? Which one's worse? Right? That's why that's that, that understanding of like some things are gray. That's right. That, that's true. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so Nicodemus, he hears Jesus, is, he's, he's watching Jesus in the background. We see in, in the scriptures that the Pharisees hung out right? Partially, they're trying to, they're trying to uh, chase him out of town, right? They're trying to regulate this situation. But when, when Nicodemus sees this Jesus, uh, 
and here's the story. And he says in uh, verse, I think it's three, you couldn't do this without God. He recognizes in the process, like, I know what my rules are. I know what the tradition is. I know what we do. And yet I can see God working in this. Have you ever been to those spots where you see God working? You don't always understand exactly how it works. You don't understand the, his techniques, but you know God is moving, right? God is working in something in your life. That's what Nicodemus has going on. So what happens internally uh, is what happens with us a lot of times. We get this uneasy sense, right? We, we get a sense of like, I know God is moving, but I don't understand what he's doing. Sometimes, right, sometimes it's good, and we're like, yeah, he's moving in the direction. I got, him, I got him pointed in the right direction, right? Or sometimes when God's moving, it's in, not in the direction we're thinking he's going to move. And that's really unsettling. And I think that's what was going on in Nicodemus' uh, heart inside. He knew. He knew the rules. He also knew what Jesus was doing. And he was watching. And he had a sense, uh, enough of a sense that he had to go see this Jesus and talk to him about what, was, uh, what he was doing. And so Jesus, he says, you know, uh, in verse 5, he says, Truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. Capital S, right? If, you, if you're not familiar, uh, when you see spirit with a capital S, that's Holy Spirit, right? Um, that's usually what happens when they uh, do the English translation. No one can be, uh, enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and spirit. What did the Jews believe at this time? Anybody know? And, and works was important, right? Make, tradition. Do these, do these rituals. Make sure you go to temple. Make sure you make the sacrifice. Go, make sure you do A, B, C, D, and E. Keep doing those things because at some point you're going to die. That will get you to heaven. That was their sense. And Jesus says, wait a minute. Let me, I'm going to change the script on you. You are not going to go to heaven unless you are born of water and spirit. And Nicodemus is like, ugh, what does that mean? Huh? Right? So let me ask a side, this is a side note, side question. Do you think that uh, the water part is baptism? Some of you are yes, some of you are no. Some of you are like, I don't have a clue. Right? It says water, born of water. What do you think that means? Physical birth, all right? Some, some commentators say physical birth, right? There are a few commentators that say baptism. I, I'm not there, but uh, there are a few that say that. So let me give you a little cultural context to help you with it. If you were, if you were not Jewish, but you came into the Jewish faith, the intent of baptism at that spot was that you would renounce anything that was not Jewish. Your idol worship, so when you were baptized, it, yeah, there was water bapti uh, baptism. But, but the reality, the understanding was that you would go and renounce everything that you had been a part of beforehand. And so there was this understanding that there was a change in your heart, a change in, in the way you did life, a change in the way uh, that you responded uh, to others. And so, so Jesus is, is, is 
speaking to Nicodemus because he understands that Nicodemus understands uh, what was going on behind the scenes. I don't believe that this is, baptism is, is not uh, required uh, for salvation. And, and I'll give you an example, the example that most people will give. Uh, the thief on the cross, right? The thief on the cross says, Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. And that thief was not baptized. There was no chance for him to be baptized. He was crucified on the cross. That's, that's, the, that's the understanding of most commentators. And, and, and I, I'm there. Right? There's this understanding that, that Jesus is, is, uh, is talking about a renunciation of their idol worship and allowing the Spirit, Holy Spirit, to come into their life. It says uh, in 1 Corinthians, it talks about, uh, you were washed and sanctified and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God. By the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus is, is again, is telling Nicodemus, listen, the rules aren't going to get you there. You do get to make a choice. But the rules will not get you. You can follow the rules. You can put enough money in the offering. You can do nice things for people. You can, uh, you can do all kinds of good ministry. But none of those things will get you into heaven. You can say nice things about God. None of those things will get you into heaven. It's being born of the, the water, being changing your attitude and direction and understanding the Holy Spirit is a part of our life. That's, that's the part where we say, ask Jesus into your life, right? Because Jesus actually says, you got to be reborn. And Nicodemus is like, huh? What do you mean I got to be reborn? What does that mean? What does that look like in my life? It's allowing the Spirit the Holy Spirit, to indwell your life. It's asking Jesus to come and be a part of who you are. That's the choice we have to make. We don't have to make that choice, right? We don't have to make that choice. And we're going to talk about that in a, a minute or two. Uh, we want to make that choice. We want our loved ones to make that choice. But, but we, what we call free will, we give them a choice. And God gives us a choice. Why do you think he gives us a choice? Why does it matter? Why didn't he just boss us around? Yeah, he wants us to, it's a choice, right? It's not you have to, right? That's, not, that's what marriage looks like. Ha! <laughs> I had to lighten the mood a little bit. I was getting a little heavy in here. God wants us to have a choice. We get to pick. Yeah, do I, no, what do I need, no, no, Ken? No, 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 you ask me, which would you choose? None right now. After no, service? No, I mean, which would you choose? The sour one afterwards. Lifestyle. Yep, afterwards. Not now, because I'll be able to like... Yeah, probably. <laughs> Does it matter? We get to... So, so free will is that idea that we get to pick. Right? We got to pick whether we wanted to follow Jesus we got to choose for ourselves. That's why we say, right, uh, God has no grandchildren because God's children are those who make a decision to follow him. Anyone else is outside of that, that circle until you make that decision. When you make a decision to follow Jesus, now you are a child of God. And so that free will, um, 
I, I always find it interesting. That free will that I appreciate and enjoy, and most of us do, uh, is more challenging when my family member doesn't make that same decision, right? It's more challenging when my friend who I shared the gospel with doesn't make that decision. But I will tell you that if you can understand free will while you're sharing the gospel, it's a whole lot easier to share the gospel because it's not in your hands. It's not on your back. It's not on your shoulders. The Apostle Paul says, I, sometimes uh, I'm planting seeds, right? And we know what happens. We could plant seeds out here this afternoon. What's going to happen? Tomorrow, they're going to look like seeds, right? The next day, they're going to look like seeds. Come June, we might get some flowers, right? Paul says, I plant some of them, I'm planting seeds. Some of them, I'm watering. And then what's the next line? But God is the one making them grow. So when we share our faith with our friends and our family, there's not nearly the pressure when we understand they have free will to make the decision for themselves. And guess what? Lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of people make good and bad decisions, right? We watch people make bad decisions all the time. Watch the news, right? People make bad decisions, they make the news, right? But that's not our... It, it, it's not our right to force them to make a decision. But when you share the gospel and God has already worked in this person's life, then they begin uh, to make those changes, maybe to accept him and, and allow him to work in their life. It's not our job to force people to be Christians. It's more our job to live life as an example. Live as an example of the glory and the power of God, the testimony of God in my life. Then we get to the, the most the, the big the big verse, right? He says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That's kind of heavy. Is that not it's, it's a verse we all know. And we lightly will blow it, you know, bleh, we'll spew it out upon being asked. But think about that for a moment. God gave his only son, his only child, and he gave him for you. It's a whole lot heavier when we think about the sacrifice that was made for each of us. You realize that Jesus loves you? And not, that's not just a song. It's the truth. You know, I, I believe people come into the church every Sunday and don't feel loved by anyone. They walk in the doors and they walk back out the doors and don't feel loved or cared about. And so the challenge for us as a church is how do we love people how do we love them like Jesus loves them? How do we remind them that they are a loved people? Let me encourage you this morning that Jesus loves each and every one of you. Even the ones in the balcony. <laughs> Just kidding, balcony dwellers. <laughs> he loves all of us. He loves you. If no one else loves you this morning, if you, can't, if you fought like cats and dogs before you got here, and no, it feels like no one loves me today. Know this, Jesus loves you today. And he loves you this much. 
right? He loves you this much, right? We, we know that. Do you remember doing that? I'm, I'm going to be doing that next weekend. I will not be here next weekend. I will be in Texas doing this. I love you so much. I'm going to have fun. And it's supposed to be 80 degrees. Don't be jealous. <laughs> That's right. You can go with me if you'd like. Let me challenge you to, to ask yourself this question. How do you show love? What's that? Unconditional. But how do you, how do you show that to people around you? How, Kenny showed love this morning. Good job, Ken. Kenny showed love to his wife this morning. What's that? Yeah, love them like Jesus. You know what that looks like? Sacrificial. Ugh. Right? We love to love people when it's convenient. That's easy. When it comes, becomes sacrificial, we struggle. We have a harder time showing that love when, it, when it's harder for us, when it, when it hurts us, when it takes away from us, when it takes away my time or my energy. That's harder to love. It's harder to show love. And yet my faith walk says, I need to be a reflection of Jesus. And not only me. You guys are not off the hook, right? If you're a believer in Christ, you need to show God's love to those around. And you know what? Yesterday's chili cook-off was awesome. One of the things that I appreciated probably the most, and I said it a couple times this morning to a few people, the best part was there were so many people, like if I don't know somebody, they're, that's, they're pretty far removed, right? Because I usually know lots of people, both services, and um, there was probably almost half of that group I do not know. And so you know what I told the new people who showed up yesterday? I said, I know it might feel a little bit odd today. You showed up and you think you're the only new person in this room. You might think that everybody else is a member of this church and they're all hanging out and they're all friends and, and you're the only new person. But here's the reality. About 50% of this group doesn't know a soul except the people they came with. So, so feel comfortable in understanding that this is for our neighbors and the people around us and that we get together in the name of Christ and have an opportunity to fellowship together. It was awesome. It was awesome to see all these people I didn't know and have a chance to just, just encourage them. And some people were people I only know from the chili cook-off. Like, I don't see them any other day of the year. But they contact me and they're like, hey, when is it? And what's, what am I supposed to bring? Or when does it start so I can make sure my chili's here? Right? That's a blessing. I don't know when God will open those doors. That's a seed being planted. Being involved in those things is a seed being planted. So even though you made brownies, there was a seed planted. Even though you made cornbread, which I heard was good. I didn't have any. If you had my chili, it was good. Cindy's? Questionable. Jealousy. <laughs> Jealousy, yeah. <laughs> I'm not, it was the bad one. It tasted bad. That was hers. <laughs> Let me read you the next verse. 
Verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn, but to save them. I think all too often, from the outside, people feel condemned. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit uh, in the next verse. But, but they feel condemnation. Jesus didn't come to cause condemnation, but to save those who were going in the wrong direction. And Romans tells us, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who have made a commitment. There is no condemnation. I don't know if you saw this. I just want to sh share this picture. This is a picture from, uh, from Turkey. And if you don't know what happened in Turkey, there were earthquakes. Massive earthquakes. We, we can't even fathom. 36,000 people have died. That's, that's like, that is mind-boggling. And I don't know if you've seen some of the video of people being pulled out a week later. Being pulled out of the rubble. A week later, still alive. It, it's powerful. And I'm going to show you a real short clip. One second, Brian. Uh, I want to show you a clip, but I want to give you a little bit of heads up. It's a little bit heavy, but it's powerful. Um, the, the video, there isn't an, one word of English spoken, but it's, it's two children who were pulled out of the rubble. And, and I, what I want you to look at, and, and it's not just for parent, parents with kids, it's not, it's not a bad video, um, but it's emotional. It was emotional when I watched it. This is what I want you to see. I want you to look at the parents as they find their children. And their children are saved, right? They, they're alive and well. And the video is only like 50 seconds. That's why I wanted to give you like a heads up of what's going on. There's no English. There's some guy yelling something that I don't know what it is and I couldn't figure it out. I couldn't figure out how to get rid of it, but I thought the video was so powerful. Um, so watching parents who had lost their children in the rubble, who were buried, and, and they were found. Uh, go ahead, Brian. Thank you. Çocuk çıktı. Çocuk çıktı. Çocuk çıktı. Çocuk çıktı. Çocuk çıktı. Pretty powerful video, huh? I cried the first three times I watched it. I guess I'll watch, cry this time too. It's heavy. It's heavy for us who have loved ones. But it's, it's, it's powerful when we think about it in this, this perspective. I believe that's how God feels when one of us come to Him. Right? The power is in understanding that they were rescued from death. 
They were rescued from certain death. They were spared. And when we come to Christ, we have been spared. Let me challenge you that you have a choice. Each one of us has a choice. Do we want to follow God or do we want to do our own thing? By our selfish nature, we want to do our own thing. We want to do what we think is best for us. And like it or not, we have a choice. And so the next verse is a bit challenging, and I'll leave you with it to think about. It says in verse 18, the last verse that's in the scripture this morning, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So if you believe in Jesus, if you ask him into your life, you are not condemned. You will spend eternity with him. But here's the challenging part. It says, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son, Jesus. That verse reminds us we have a choice, but there'll be consequences to our decision. Just like everything else in our life. There are consequences to our decisions. And the consequence is this. Do I want to place my life in Jesus' hands? Or do I want to do my life my way? I'll leave you with that. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for Nicodemus, Lord. Uh, we don't know what decision he ever made, for sure. My sense is that he understood that he needed to make some changes. He had a choice to make. And so, Lord, we ask, I ask this morning that you would impress upon those who have a decision to make here today. That they wouldn't walk out, wouldn't leave this place without making a good decision. Making the right choice. Asking you to be in their life. Lord, we, wa we watch uh, the world around us continue to unravel. And we recognize pretty quickly that things are a mess. And yet we know that following you is hope in a hopeless world. And so, Lord, I pray this morning for anyone who hasn't asked you into their life to change who they are, to come in and make uh, a difference in their life. Lord, I ask this morning that you would call upon them, that you would impress upon them an opportunity to come to the altar, to share in that uh, victory. We thank you, Lord, for your love, your care, and uh, desire for us to be a part of your family. In your name we pray. Amen.